0: Hello and welcome to Behind the Horror. Scary movie fans, such as myself, will hear that a movie is based on a true story. A few of them we know, but most, well, we never go on to find out just what that true story is. So in this series, we will explore and find out exactly what the true story is behind the movies we love. The 2009 movie, The Orphan, starts us off with a couple at the hospital. The mother is quite obviously very pregnant and very much in labor. She tells the nurse that this will be her third baby, but as the contractions hit she is hemorrhaging, she's losing blood quickly, chaos is all around her. As she lays on the delivery table screaming, she finds out that her baby has died. But then she wakes up. It's been but a horrible nightmare. Only the nightmare isn't entirely false. We see a scar on her stomach showing the emergency C-section she had to have to deliver her stillborn. She goes to a therapist to try to help her with the loss of her baby because her grieving process is beginning to affect her relationship between herself and her children and her husband. She does pick her daughter up from a hearing impaired school and as she is at a stoplight, she nearly pulls forward and gets hit by a semi we clearly see that she was distracted by the very pregnant woman who had crossed the street moments before. In fact, she is distracted by a great many things in her life right now, which is keeping her from her career of writing music. So one evening, she and her husband began to speak about how she has all of this love that she was prepared to give to the baby and she just needs to give it to someone. The couple later visit an orphanage where they are greeted by this wonderful nun and they begin to tour the grounds. The father peers into a classroom where a young girl is painting a picture and he wanders in. As they introduce themselves, the young nine-year-old girl with longer, beautiful, dark brown ringlets states that her name is Esther. The mother finds her husband in the room with the girl, so she goes in to speak with the girl and get to know her. Esther tells them this whole story while she's painting a picture about how a girl wants a family all her own. So as the couple go into the nun's office, the nun opens Esther's file and says that she is originally from Russia, but that she's nearly lost her accent. Her former family all died in a fire, Esther just barely making it out alive. The nun says she's very bright, mature for her age, well-mannered, and so on. So of course the couple adopt her. We see the parents and Esther driving home and the mom is already teaching Esther some basic sign language so that she can communicate with their younger daughter. Things seem to be perfect for the family at first. But then Esther walks in on the parents being intimate and when the mom speaks to her she says that Quite clearly, Esther knows a lot more about sex than a girl should at her age. Not long after, Esther begins demonstrating this really aggressive and dangerous behavior as she kills a bird and then injures a classmate. The nun from the orphanage decides to come clean and speak with the parents about strange things that happen when Esther is around. But before she can, Esther murders the nun with a hammer and gets rid of the body in a deep ditch. The family begins to see pretty quickly that something is very wrong with the girl. And once, when the mother and Esther argue, causing the mom to grasp the girl's arm, once that's over, Esther then goes out, puts her arm in a vise, And breaks her own arm and then goes on to blame the mother and then things escalate quickly from there. What happens next? Those of you who have seen the movie know and the rest will just have to watch to find out and while this isn't one of my you know top-tier movies it's worth seeing and it's pretty twisted. This movie isn't entirely based on the story I bring you today per se. Some sources say it's based on it, others not. But it is current and so interesting that I had to share it. It begins with a couple from Indianapolis, Indiana. And they are Michael and Christine Barnett. Now it is important to share this fact. Christine Barnett is a famed parenting author, having written The Spark, a mother's story of nurturing, genius, and autism. And she's also a motivational speaker on alternative education for children with autism. And her writing is highly acclaimed. Okay, so Now, this couple were experienced foster parents. They had dealt with and had seen much in the years that they fostered. They had decided to adopt a little girl from Haiti back in 2010, but when the massive earthquake shook that area and caused so much devastation, they were told that it was no longer an option. They waited for a bit, but then... Out of the blue, they received a call from an adoption agency all the way down in Florida stating the agency had actually researched the married couple and thought that they would be a perfect fit for a child they had. What was odd about this was that the agency actively reached out soliciting this child and that is really unheard of in the process of adoption. They told the couple of a little girl named Natalia Grace and that it was a closed adoption. So, let's take a second look for those that might not know what that actually entails. According to AmericanPregnancy.org, a closed adoption is an adoption process where there is no interaction of any kind between the birth mothers and prospective adoptive families. This means that there is no identifying information provided either to the birth families or the adoptive families. However, non-identifying information such as physical characteristics or medical history may be made available to those involved. Now. Some of the benefits of this is a full sense of closure for the birth mother and birth family who have reported that having a closed adoption provided what they needed for them to move on with their lives. It also offers privacy for those who feel threatened and vulnerable by their decision to place a child for adoption in the first place. It has also been reported that for the birth mothers, it lessens concerns about, you know, explaining their decision to others. It offers a way to avoid that confrontation. The advantages for the adoptive family include the freedom from the birth family being even involved, thus being free to enjoy their family time without the potential complications associated with the outside intrusion. There's also that risk of, you know, gray boundaries. So Michael and Christine are told they will get no information about the previous adoptive family and very little information on the child, but they were given two photos and a Ukrainian birth certificate, which of course neither could read, but it did say she was born in 2003. They were told Natalia arrived to the United States in 2008. They were also able to see one record of one doctor's visit and then were given 24 hours to decide whether or not they wanted to adopt this six-year-old girl named Natalia who happened to also have a rare form of dwarfism. Now, I would tell you what it's called, but there's no way I could pronounce it. I apologize. They were told that if they didn't decide within 24 hours, or if they flat out didn't decide to adopt her, she was going to just be basically thrown back into foster care. So even though the circumstances were so odd and, you know, different, The couple and their three sons flew down to Florida and they met her, though they said the meeting was strange as well. They were put into a very small room, apparently in a strip mall, and once Natalia opened the door, she came running as best as she could run in the room saying, Mommy, Daddy, Mommy, Daddy. She clearly had no foreign accent whatsoever. Another strange thing about this was that, again, they were experienced foster parents. Michael said in an interview that they should have known right then and there that something was wrong because it had not been their experience that a small child would be at all happy about having to change homes or being given up for adoption that quickly by her original adoptive family so the barnett's were only in the room for about five minutes according to michael with natalia and then they were pulled out they were presented with paperwork that they signed and then voila natalia was now their child now i've not ever adopted a child but i did do some studying on the subject in college I know that adoptions don't really happen like that without the family being observed, home visits, etc. There is an entire process involved, which was not happening here clearly. At first, they thought their family was complete, but it did not take long to see that something wasn't quite right. That very night, before the family had even flown back to Indiana, Christine decided to give Natalia a bath. It was then that Michael heard Christine yelling loudly for him. So, you know, of course, he jumped up, he ran into the bathroom, and Christine told him to look at Natalia. Michael stated that at the supposed age of six, this girl had fully grown in pubic hair. So, of course, the couple were very concerned. So they did what parents do. They got on the computer and began googling how this could be possible or how old this child could actually be. Because you know, sure. Then three months after the family had settled back into life, they scheduled a play date with another young girl with the same supposed condition as Natalia And that's when they noticed that her head was fully adult-sized, where the other girl, who was the same age, her head was visibly much, much smaller. Another incident was that they invited a Ukrainian woman over to speak with Natalia, and as the woman was speaking Ukrainian, it was obvious that Natalia didn't understand a word of it. And not only did she not understand it, but she became angry and withdrawn after. They also found out pretty quickly that Natalia was menstruating and attempted to hide it, all while supposedly being just six years old. Now, I did a little kind of quick research for this, and I'm no expert, of course, but I found no instances where Natalia's particular form of dwarfism can also accelerate the onset of puberty. Not one source said that and actually the commonality was that it generally delays puberty. So how on earth did she already have her monthly cycle and full grown in pubic hair? But then things began to get really serious. Michael said she started placing thumbtacks pointy side up on the stairs in their home. Then things began to go missing from the home. They stated that they found a knife hidden under her bed, and even once in the middle of the night, Michael awoke to Natalia standing over him with a knife and a, quote, lifeless look on her face. Natalia had no interest in playing with dolls or toys or any age-appropriate type things and actually sought out the company of teenagers she apparently used a vocabulary that was well beyond a young child's. She began taking their three sons like beloved toys and throwing them into this busy road to be ran over by cars, knowing the young boys could potentially run out into traffic to try to save their things. And when the parents asked her about it, she simply said, I'm trying to kill them. Christine stated, quote, She would make statements and draw pictures saying she wanted to kill family members, roll them up in a blanket, and put them in the backyard. She was standing over people in the middle of the night. You couldn't go to sleep. We had to hide all the sharp objects. I saw her putting chemicals, bleach, Windex, things like that in my coffee, and I asked her, What are you doing? She said, I'm trying to poison you, unquote. Christine stated Natalia was even jumping out of moving cars and would smear blood on mirrors. So they took Natalia to the dentist who determined that all of her teeth were adult teeth, which of course we all know is not possible at six years old a doctor stated that her secondary sex characteristics were of a grown adult. So they began to take her to other doctors and psychiatrists, and it was confirmed that she, quote, suffered with a severe psychological illness only diagnosed in adults, unquote, though this particular article didn't specify what that diagnosis was. In 2012, a hospital did some bone testing and stated that her approximated age was 11. Then during that same year, a court judge gave approval for the Barnetts to have Natalia's age changed from 8 to 22, with birth records showing her being born in 1989, which would make her roughly 30 years old now. There is a supposed letter that exists, though I couldn't find out its origin, stating that Natalia has, quote, made a career of perpetuating her age facade, unquote. The same document states that she had been committed to a psychiatric hospital and diagnosed with sociopathic personality disorder and openly admitted to being over 18. So in 2013, Natalia is then either around 10 years old or about 24 years old. This is in 2013, just so we're all up to speed. At this point, the girl had been living with the Barnetts for three years. It is important to note that two of their three sons are geniuses, textbook, one having autism and being a savant. One boy had already been to Purdue University before he had even graduated from high school, and the other was showing an insane amount of intelligence with math and physics. It was at this point, with Natalia having legal documents showing she was an adult, they decided to get her an apartment just a couple of minutes from the family home. One source says that another source says they moved her to a completely different town so Michael has stated that Natalia was discharged from a quote stress center where the caretakers agreed Natalia was an adult and allegedly the girl also stated that she wanted no contact with the family there were Apparently, three separate court hearings represented by attorneys who accepted the decision, and they have all stated that she was an adult. The parents paid for a home aid worker to ensure that Natalia was capable of living on her own. They paid her rent through three months in advance, got her disability social security and food stamp benefits all set up for her and checked on her a couple of times a week michael the father said she was doing just fine then one of their sons got invited to go to the perimeter institute for theoretical physics in canada but at 14 years old he obviously couldn't go by himself So the family, who were satisfied that Natalia was successfully living on her own, you know, adulting, decided to sell their house and move to Canada with their son so that he could take this opportunity and go to university. Then the next year in 2014, for, I don't know, reasons, the Barnetts got divorced also that year Natalia was evicted from her apartment for not paying rent now what happened between 2014 and 2019 is kind of unclear I do know that Natalia was adopted by another family Uh, the authorities were contacted because she was supposedly a minor that was abandoned by her family So in September of 2019, Michael and Christine were charged with two counts of felony neglect of a dependent. Christine surrendered to the authorities and was released after posting $5,500 bond and Michael did the same thing now both michael and christine have pled not guilty to the charges and michael himself has filed a motion to dismiss both counts the jury trial is supposed to be on january 28th of 2020 later this very month and in yet another twist to the case natalia's own supposed birth mother anna who lives in the Ukrainian city of Mikolyev was tracked down by a reporter for the Daily Mail, however you want to take that source. Anna states her daughter was born 16 years ago in 2003. She said, quote, doctors told me to leave the baby, both them and my mom told me to leave her. They said the baby would never be good, that she would never be able to move, that she would be chained to a chair or to a bed. She now lives in America with adoptive parents who want to ditch her. I thought everything was okay with her and it turned out that it's not all okay. Unquote. The Daily Mail has also allegedly found documents from a Ukrainian orphanage that proves Natalia was admitted in October 2003. So where is Natalia now? As I'd said before, she was adopted. She's currently living with Antoine and Cynthia Manns in Indiana. This couple has adopted her. I can't get confirmation that she's been legally adopted, but that's what they've said. There are also new charges being filed against Michael and Christine that state they neglected to get Natalia's surgeries needed to correct problems caused by her dwarfism, which caused her pain. Prosecutors have recently filed a motion to get a sample of Natalia's DNA, which I assume is not only to try to determine her real age, but also to determine if the Ukrainian woman, Anna, is her real birth mother. If that can be confirmed, then the question of Natalia's age would be over. Natalia has been on the Dr. Phil show. Michael has been on the Dr. Oz show. And Christine was on another daytime talk show and they were all discussing the situation. You can YouTube this stuff. It's all there. But now the judge has officially placed a gag order on the case. So we're just going to have to wait and see how this all plays out. The moral of this story is that the Barnetts should have listened to their first gut instincts and not flown down to Florida under such strange circumstances to adopt a girl they'd had absolutely no interaction with, no real information on, no home visits, or any of the other normal circumstances that happen with adoption. It almost makes me feel like they were nearly, I don't want to use the word bullied, but you know, certainly highly pressured into adopting this girl. And I don't know what to think about how old she actually is. Some officials, official officials, say she's still a minor. Others have firmly stated she is an adult and has been for years. She really was treated at a psychiatric facility and diagnosed with a very serious personality disorder. So that leads me to believe her threatening to kill the family might very well be true. I just don't know what to think about this, but as I find out more, I will keep you guys posted on Instagram. Thank you for listening.